0: You are listening to The Gateway Church in Spring Lake, Michigan. To learn more, visit us at thegatewaygh.com. So thank you so much for being here. And we are excited uh, about Mother's Day and uh, just what God is doing, what God already did for service. And I'm so excited for what he's going to do this service. And I have the opportunity this morning to introduce our guest speaker, Uh, this is someone that I've known uh, since they've been in high school. Um, I was in college and I was actually friends with her older sister and she was visiting the college and uh, just through that, Uh, We ended up becoming friends as well. And she is someone, and I described it in first service, that in scripture it says uh, that Paul told uh, the believers to follow after him as he follows after Christ. And that's something that I believe uh, that our guest speaker this morning does. Um, Every time I see her on social media, she's doing something, and it's crazy how much she does. Uh, She's running half marathons and uh, earlier this year, and I'm really inspired, and, and hopefully soon I'll be able to do this this in, in January, I believe, she read the whole Bible in the month of January, uh, which it just is crazy. Like, I, I didn't know that was humanly possible, but it is because she did it. Um, and not only that, but she was uh, a little late getting here last night, and it's because Saturday, yesterday morning, uh, she got hooded and she uh, now has her master's degree. And so uh, she is awesome. She is a uh, world class person, and I'm excited uh, for her to share the message with you guys this morning. And so, would you help me welcome Anna McGuire? Come on, can we welcome her this morning? And let's also congratulate her for a master's degree. Come on. A lot of hard work there.
1: Yes, so yesterday I got this hood. I'm Anna, by the way. It's nice to meet you guys. So thankful to be here at the Gateway Church. Thank you, Pastor Ben and Jessica, for letting me be here with you guys. Uh, Yesterday, I got hooded with a master's degree, and it's this like weird... Has anybody ever seen a master's hood before? It's like this... Literally, this giant hood they put on top of you. It's not like fancy at all. It's just really weird. And yesterday, I was like, so I get to take this home, and my professor's like, if you take that home, we're going to send you a $600 bill. And I'm like... Like, I just paid for my master's. Can't I have this hood, like, to show everybody I'm hooded or whatever? Anyways, so yesterday was so much fun, and my family came in town from the beautiful state of Wisconsin to see me graduate. Anybody from Wisconsin? You are, where are you from? What part are you from? Milwaukee. Give me specifics. That's where I'm from. Wawatosa. How many of you have heard of Wawatosa before? Yes, Wawatosa. We were just talking after the 9 a.m. service, uh, the weird names that Wisconsin has. We have Oconomowoc, Wawatosa, Kenosha, which is where I'm from. We got... Manitowoc. What are all the weird names? They're just weird up there. But anyways, I currently reside in Greenwood, Indiana, south suburb of Indianapolis. My husband is a youth pastor at an awesome church called Grace, and I am a full-time middle school mental health counselor. Can somebody say... God bless you. But anyway, so that's where I currently live. But I grew up in the great state of Wisconsin. So you and I have something in common, and that is the NFC North. Do I have any Packer fans? Yes. Go Packo. No. I am a diehard Packer backer, so much so my husband's from Arkansas. And when we started dating, he was a Saints fan. And about a year into our relationship, I'm like, if this is going anywhere serious, you need to drop that. And he's like, for real? I was like, I'm not kidding. And you're like, people are like, Anna, you're joking. I'm like, no, I really told him that one night. Like, I was like, hey, Packers isn't just football, it's family. Drop it. And he's like, Okay. <laughs> so, hey, now we're married four years this month, which is pretty cool. But anyways, I'm a diehard Packer fan. If you're ever watching the Lions and you want to know what it feels like to be a winner, just say Go Pack Go a couple times. It will make you feel really good. Um, so anyways, Packers. But you know what? Last year was not so good for us. You can know that it wasn't very good because we lost to the Lions once or twice. So that's how you know it was a terrible season. <laughs> Wow, There's, are there some huge Lions fans in here? Yes, yes. All right, I like Matt Strafford. He's pretty cool. So, the Packers, Wisconsin. My family came down from Wisconsin to see me graduate, and my mom said, Hey, can I go with you tomorrow? And I said, Yes, please come with me. I need a road trip buddy. So, with me today is my mom, Marlis Shimenti. That's my mom. Happy Mother's Day. My mom is the hero of my life. I was totally fine yesterday during graduation, but as I was walking across the stage, you get to have, like, your thank yous read by one of the professors, and as soon as it said my mom, I I just started, like, crying, and because moms are the best, and moms in the physical sense, but also I know there's a lot of spiritual moms here today, too, Um, I'm not a mom yet, but I I do serve as a spiritual mom to a couple of, of students that are really close to my husband and I's hearts. And moms, you make a difference. You are the OG, the original Wonder Woman. You are, long before Wonder Woman ever existed, moms did. And I'm so thankful for you. And what's so cool about moms is that they have this ability to know things. Like nothing gets past them. Like they know the truth from the get-go. Like does anybody know like a kid can walk in the room. It amazes me. A kid walks in the room and they're like, do you have a cookie in your mouth? And they're like, how did you know that? Like, moms just know. Like, I work with middle schoolers, and I will call a mom on the cell phone, and it's like, hi, I'm just checking in with you about your student. They're like, they did so-and-so, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, how did you know that? And they're like, just had a feeling. Or like when I was little, my younger sister Allison and I, we had bunk beds and my mom and dad we were like the best of friends to this day we would never sleep in our room like we just stay up all night but Allison would always try to sneak up into my bunk bed so we could play through the night and we would wait until we knew mom was asleep but some way somehow even after my mother went to bed i'm sure it has nothing to do with us being loud my mom would come in the bedroom and she'd be like Allison are you in the top bunk and I'm like how does she know this and like, I'll never forget one Christmas, we were trying to surprise my mom with getting sister portraits. I don't have any brothers. I'm one of three girls in the middle, Abby, Anna, and Allison. Yes, we are all triple A's, a mouthful. I was Annison, Abigail, Annison, like my whole life because of all the A's. But that's besides the point. We were trying to get my mom these portraits and surprise her and we were being like really cunning and she's like we walked into the kitchen she's like you girls look so pretty are you going to get your pictures done today we're like how'd she know that like nothing gets past moms and there's this mom in the scripture that we don't hear an awful lot about from time to time and and this mom nothing got past her this mom was another level leader Long before there was Wonder Woman or Captain Marvel, there was this woman in Scripture, and her name is Deborah. Everybody say with me, Deborah. Deborah. And if I were to do it, title today's message, I would call it Until... Dot, dot, dot. And this story is found in Deborah in Judges chapter 4 and 5. And you see, what is so cool about Deborah is that Deborah, she was a wife and a mother. She was fulfilling two amazing roles that God had given her to be a wife and a mom. But God gave her two special roles in addition to those two. And that was that Deborah was also a judge and a prophet. Like, again, a wife, a mom, a judge. And a prophet. She was not only holding down the home front, but she was literally helping run the nation of Israel. She was both a political leader and spiritual leader. This lady was the top dog of her nation. She did so many things for her people, for her community, and for God. And she is only, catch this, one of two people in the Bible that serve as both a prophet and a judge you look through all the scripture and all the judges, only two are both a prophet and a judge. So God entrusted her to have two significant roles to the people of Israel, and that was to be a political leader and spiritual leader. Deborah, her story begins while the nation of Israel, which we find Israel all throughout the Old Testament, The nation of Israel is once again in bondage and slavery. You see, before Deborah had come along, hundreds of years before that, there was this exile from Egypt. Maybe you've heard the story that Israel was held in slavery to Egypt, and then there was this man named Moses that God used to bring them out of slavery, and then they were in the desert. Then they conquered Jericho 40 years later and entered the promised land. So now we find Deborah in Israel living in the promised land. But instead of being free like God had intended Israel to be, Israel was now in bondage again. In Judges chapter 5, the Bible describes Israel as a desolate and scary place where murder and darkness and disunity ran throughout the whole country. There was wickedness, idolatry, and a disregard for God and for others. And Deborah began to see her nation begin to crumble. And as the nation began to crumble, crumble there was a remnant a few people who began to realize the faults of their ways and they began to cry out to God for his mercy and help so deborah being the prophet and the judge the political and spiritual leader sat back and saw all that her nation had become and she called out the general of the israelite army barak She brought Barak to her and she said to him, It's time for you to gather the troops and take a stand against this enemy that has been holding us captive. You see, God had given Israel the calling and the opportunity to overcome this enemy many years before that. But because of Israel's disregard for God and disregard for God's ways, they began to fall back into slavery for the very people they were called to conquer. And here's Deborah. She's saying, Barak, the general of the army, a woman, a mom, a wife. She gets the general of the army and says, it is time to go to war. Judges chapter 4 says, hasn't the Lord, this is Deborah speaking, hasn't the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you to go, Barak? Why are you sitting back? Why are you waiting? It is time to move forward. You see, this was a hard command for the people of Israel to hear. The enemy had a greater army. The enemy was much bigger than Israel. Sisera, the country or the the region that they were going to go head to head with, was famous for their 9,000 iron chariots. Now think about it, 9,000 iron chariots. Like cars today aren't even made out of iron. They're made out of like plastic and aluminum. Like anybody know what I'm talking about? These are 9,000 iron chariots, iron, like uh, thick, big metal with horses on the end. And usually in an iron chariot, it wasn't one or two people. It was usually like three, four people. These things were huge chariots. They had 9,000 of them plus foot soldiers. So when Deborah calls Barak to her and says, let's go to battle, she's not saying, like, let's go have a thumb war or an arm wrestling match. She's saying, hey, like, it's you and me against the world. That's essentially what she's calling out here. And she says, it is time to go. Hasn't the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you to go? And here's Israel, former slaves and people currently living in bondage that are far from God. They didn't have iron chariots. They didn't have a huge infantry. What they did have was 10,000 troops in total. 10,000 troops in total versus their 9,000 iron chariots versus their horses versus the 3 4 men that were in the iron chariots plus their foot soldiers 10,000 against what we can conservatively assume would be minimum of 30,000 they didn't have the depth the enemy had they didn't have much courage to take a stand but nonetheless Deborah arose to the occasion. Deborah reminded her people who their God was and who they belonged to. She said, hasn't the Lord, the God of Israel, she reminded them, remember who our God is, commanded you to go. She reminded them who their God was, who they belonged to, In a culture that was saturated with evil, she told them the truth. She reminded them who they were. In a culture where lies had become accepted as truth, she stood up and arose and said, no, this is not the truth. This is the truth. We aren't supposed to live in bondage. We aren't supposed to live in fear. We aren't supposed to live in captivity. We're supposed to live in freedom. Deborah, a wife, a mother, a prophet, a judge, a woman. She arose and began to remind people of the truth. She rallied the troops to take a stand against the enemy. She didn't see the issues of her culture and think to herself, hmm, I hope somebody fixes this or Oh, my gosh, can you believe the state of Israel? Don't they know they're supposed to honor and worship only one God? Like, huge bummer, hope somebody comes in and, like, figures this mess out. Or she didn't sit back and say, I hope another leader comes along who has the courage and the grit to do something about this. No, Deborah arose. It was when Deborah arose and she began to tell the truth to the people, that she began to speak courage and life in them. And I don't know about you, but there's times right now, currently in our culture, where I sit back and I think to myself, hmm, I hope somebody figures this mess out. Man, there is some crazy junk going on in in my community. I hope somebody figures that out. Oh, man, there's all these teen runaways, and there's this epidemic of opioids. I hope somebody figures that out. And I think that if Deborah lived in 2019, she would see that 2019 looks like Judges chapter 4, Israel. That she would look around, and she would see that the cultures are very similar. But Deborah... She didn't sit back and think that's too bad. Instead, she had enough truth living inside of her. She had the spirit of God inside of her telling her she had to do something about the current state of her culture. The anxiousness for the battle was great, and so Barak said, Deborah, I am not going to war with my 10,000 troops unless you go with me. So Deborah, she, again, didn't sit back and say, I don't belong in the battle. said, she said, sure enough, I will go. You see, Deborah, with humility, she marched into battle, a battle that many people would say she didn't belong in, a battle that people would say she couldn't make a difference in. She's a wife. She's a mom. She's a woman. She can't make a difference. Instead, she decided to march on. She decided to march into battle. Despite naysayers, despite anybody's doubt in her, she moved forward. She arose to the occasion. And what I love is how the story goes on in Judges chapter 4, that the enemy got word that Israel was coming to attack them. And scoffing and laughing, they said, we'll get our 9,000 iron chariots together, and we will attack them. Now Israel heard that the enemy had heard that they were coming, so now Israel's freaking out. So Deborah, she goes before the whole army, and she says this, I love it, get ready, get ready, get ready. This is Deborah, a wife, a a, a woman, a mom. She gets before an entire army of 10,000 people and she says, get ready. This is the day the Lord will give you victory over Sisera for the Lord is marching ahead of you. With all the faith and all the courage that Deborah could muster up, she instilled faith and courage into 10,000 troops. She began to declare over them that they could go into battle and to get ready because the Lord was marching ahead of them. You see, Deborah realized and recognized that the battle really wasn't dependent on the 9,000 iron chariots or the 10,000 troops that Israel had. The battle was dependent on the Lord marching ahead of them. God used Deborah to remind these men, to remind these 10,000 troops that the enemy may be able to conquer them, but the enemy could in no way, shape, or form conquer their God. And Deborah began to show them, these men saying, this is not about you or your strength or your ability, but this is all about putting God first and trusting him. And when I study this story, the men that were in this, the military at this time, we figure that they're somewhere between like teenage years and like 40 years old. And they had been living in chaos for decades. So some scholars believe that it's safe to say that a lot of these troops did not know the ways of God, that had never been taught the ways of God. But here's Deborah in front of 10,000, and she's reminding them and telling them, God is for you, that he goes before you. And though you may be scared, and although you may be weary, and though you may feel like this enemy is greater than you are, you will conquer them. The battle today Is the Lord's. So Deborah and the ten thousand troops go straight towards the enemy. And Judges chapter four tells us that as Israel began their attack, that the Lord threw Sisera and all of its chariots and warriors into a panic. As soon as Israel began to go after the enemy, the enemy went into a panic. They completely disassembled. It says that the warriors were so afraid that they jumped off their chariots with hopes of escaping the battle. They began to run from their homeland. It doesn't even say that they put up a fight, it says that as soon as Israel put up a fight, they ran. 9,000 iron chariots plus countless other foot soldiers against the 10,000. The math doesn't really work other than God went before them. And here's Barak and his army, and it says that they chased down the enemy, killing every single one of them until not a single one was left alive. They completely got rid of the enemy. They destroyed the entire opposing army. When we think about it in like today's terms, it would be like Eastern Michigan beating Alabama. Is that the big college up here, Eastern Michigan? Is that, or did they make the, okay, Western Michigan, is that a big, okay, yes. Like that beating like Alabama. Like, I mean, it's huge, huge difference. And They conquered them. This small, tiny army, like a community college going after a huge football team, beat them and just completely disassembled them. A battle that seemed impossible to overcome, an enemy that was so much larger than Israel. This was not a battle that Israel was supposed to win. And after the battle was over in Judges chapter 4, verses 23 through 24 says, So on that day, Israel saw God defeat Jabin, the Canaanite king, the king that was over Sisera. And from that time on, Israel became stronger and stronger against King Jabin until they finally destroyed him. Israel completely conquered this king, this huge nation, after Deborah rallied them to go into war. And the end of Judges chapter 4 tells us that because of Deborah's audacity to take on the enemy, Israel lived in peace for 40 years. Peace. Now, this was a nation that was just ridden with, with distress and with chaos and with brokenness, and yet here they are, because of Deborah's willingness to arise to the occasion. They lived in peace. All of the brokenness, all of the darkness was gone for 40 years. Forty years. Judges chapter 5, verse 7 says, there were few people left in the village of Israel. Meaning, Israel was falling apart. No one was living in Israel anymore. Nobody wanted to be a part of Israel because the nation, the children of God, were living in wickedness. We skim over this story so quickly, but it's a really big story in the center of a really difficult time for Israel. That nobody wanted to live there, that the nation was falling apart, but catch this: There were few people left in the villages of Israel until until Deborah arose as a mother for Israel, until Deborah arose. Until Deborah arose, Israel was broken and far from their purpose and living in darkness. Until Deborah arose, people had forgotten about the power and faithfulness of God. Until Deborah arose, people were living in bondage once again. And I think to myself, what if she hadn't risen up? See, one thing that's really cool about Deborah's story is that because the nation was living in peace for 40 years, a lot of the the instructions that God had given to the Levites and to the people um, that were ministering in like the tabernacle before it became the temple, those things came back to life. And we see those things all throughout the rest of Judges that lead up to when King David was there. So what if she hadn't risen up? What if she hadn't risen up? What would Israel have looked like by the time King David, you know, the lineage of Jesus had come? Until Deborah arose, the people were broken and falling apart. What I love so much about this story and what I mentioned earlier is that it parallels so much of today's current culture We see that the Old Testament and 2019 really looks a lot alike. You see, as I mentioned earlier, I am a public middle school counselor. So I have a front row seat to brokenness. I have a front row seat to things of of the world, of things of the culture, the messages the culture is sending, the beliefs of this culture. And can I tell you? It's not great. There is so much hurt in our world right now. If I were to sit here and say, hey, what kind of issues do you hear and see in the Muskegon, Grand Haven area? We would be here for hours. You guys would probably tell me about drug abuse that's happening in the area. You would probably tell me about disunity in families between husbands and wives and children and their parents. You would maybe talk about mental health crisis, and, and, and things like suicidal ideation, and, and self-loathing, and self-harm. One of my professors in my program at Indiana University, her name is Dr. Thompson. She's brilliant, 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 brilliant. And she conducts a lot of research for IU Health. And she got some people from my cohort together a couple months ago. And she sat in a circle and she said, this was apart from class. She just asked if we'd come to a meeting. And she said, guys, now this is a professor that is not a Christian. She's brilliant, super smart, several master's degrees, an incredible just dissertation of research. She said, guys, we are living in an unprecedented time. She said, more and more people are coming to us with emotional and mental health needs than ever before, and we don't have an answer for them. I was like, whoa, brilliant, doctor, knows so much, has been all around the world, just conducted like a six-month research in Africa on mental health. I mean, she is just brilliant, but she said, we are living in an unprecedented time where there is a need for wholeness of the mind. And here she's sitting with students, and she said, do you have an answer? Me? I mean, yes, I do, but I don't think you're going to like it very much right now because you want a researched answer. But she said, will you begin to collect data so we can start figuring out an answer? Because we don't know what to do. We're living in an unprecedented time in 2019 where students and adults alike are in identity crisis. We're living in a time where people are trying to find fixes, not just in like a substance way, but also emotionally trying to find things to fix their emotions. They binge on Netflix and, you know, those things aren't bad, but it's so fascinating to see the world that we're living in, how empty and how broken people are. And how big of a need there is for wholeness and healing. We live in a culture that much like Israel in Judges chapter 4. That is far from their purpose and living in chaos. Now we could talk about this and it could make us sad and make us feel down and broken. However, it gives me hope. Let me say that again. It gives me hope hope the reason why that i'm here and sharing the gospel and why i am getting the masters in counseling and why i believe in investing in youth ministries because i know that there is hope because i see in judges chapter 4 and judges chapter 5 and all throughout the bible and all throughout history that when spiritual health and morale is at an all-time low it is a ripe opportunity for the people of god to arise I find that time and time again that when things seem bleak, when things seem dark, it is when the greatest opportunity is to arise. We just celebrated Easter a couple weeks ago. And when on the third day, when things seem bleak, and things seem um, dark and broken, Jesus did what? He arose. He was risen. And I believe it's the same thing for each and every single one of us here today, that in 2019, that though the world may seem dark, though it may seem chaotic, there is hope and we may rise up as the people of God, that we may rise up. As modern day Deborah's, and be the people that remind people of who God is and who He says He wants to be in our lives, that He is a relational God, that He goes before us, that no enemy can conquer Him, therefore, it cannot conquer us. He wants us to be risen up. And it says, I love in Judges chapter 5, it was until Deborah arose. Until Deborah arose. And my friends, until we arise, until we rise up, until we say enough is enough, until we say that the enemy cannot have any more of our territory, until we begin to show the world the truth of God, our world will too live in chaos. Right now is the time to arise. What's on the other side of you rising up? You see, here today, if you're a follower of Jesus, the spirit of God lives inside of you. And he's given you the ability to be a spiritual leader. He's given you the ability to be a leader in our communities. He has called you to rise up. He has called you to not sit the bench. He's not called you to just simply watch the game, but he's called you to get on the field. He's called you to take steps in the direction of those who are hurting. He hasn't called you to hide in your homes or be freaked out and wait to see what's going to hit the news next. But he's called you to rise up and to go into the direction of the enemy. He's called you to go where there is brokenness and to go where there is chaos, not to be affected by it or influenced by it, but that you may rise up and point people to the truth of Jesus Christ, that you may rise up and bring hope. You may say, Anna, there isn't much hope that I can bring. There's not much that I can do. You don't know what I've done or you don't know my giftings. Doug, you can come on up. But can I tell you, that God has a purpose for your life. He has a calling on your life for you to rise up. One of my favorite stories throughout history is of this man named Oscar Schindler. Has anybody seen the movie Schindler's List? Yes, it is a phenomenal, true story. Mr. Schindler he was a German Nazi. Mr. Schindler, for his time, he was a millionaire. So he funded much of the Nazi movement. He, he believed in the things of Hitler, and he funded much of it. He owned a factory, and he was totally okay with Jews going to concentration camps and dying. So whenever the calls would come for his factory workers to be taken to concentration camps, he would just kind of give a wave and go ahead, whatever. Well, one day the call came for his assistant, that it was time for his assistant, who was a Jew, to go to a concentration camp. And as that call came out for his assistant to leave, it suddenly became personal for him. He began to think, I this man runs my business. I, I don't know what I would do without him. So Mr. Schindler, a Nazi, he pays off the other Nazis not to take his assistant. And his assistant, with much gratitude, goes to him, thank you, Mr. Schindler, thank you for saving my life. What if we bought one more? Now Mr. Schindler, the rich Nazi that he was, he had to weigh his options, and he thought, well, I'm a Nazi, and saving the Jews is kind of the opposite of what my brothers and my community and my family believes. but all right, just one more. So he buys one more, and that one more turns into one more, and that one more turns into one more. and that one more turns into one more until five and a half years later, he purchased 1,200 Jews. He saved 1,200 Jews, from going to Nazi concentration camps. He saved 1,200 people from dying. And you see, many people would say saving Jews was not his battle. That doesn't make any sense. He, he was a part of the problem, actually. But that didn't keep him from understanding somebody needed to rise up And somebody needed to make a difference in one person's life. And then that one turned into another one. That turned into another one. That over five and a half years turned into 1,200. And now the Smithsonian currently reports that of those 1,200 that he saved, there are currently 7,000 descendants of those 1,200 that are currently alive. So not only did he save 1,200, but he saved over 8,000. And guess what? That 7,000 is going to continue to procreate. And in the decades to come, it will be 20,000, 30,000, 40,000, 100,000, a million. He saved that many people's lives by saying one at a time. And when the journey came to an end and, and the Nazis lost Oscar Schindler, he went into hiding because he knew he was about to get arrested because he wore the name Nazi. But as he was exiting to go into hiding, his 1,200 Jews gathered around him and thanked him for all that he had done. And in the movie, it's so gripping, he, he's weeping and he says, if I could have just saved one more. And he said, Mr. Schindler, you did enough. And there's this quote that's an epic quote. His assistant says, he who saves one life saves the world entire in time. So you may think, you know what, I really can't make a difference. I kind of feel like, a, like I've got nothing to offer. Mr. Schindler had nothing to really offer the Jews other than just working to save one at a time. And so I'm not telling you to go out and have this mass movement where you're seeing 5,000, 10,000 people getting reached and, and saved and served. But I'm encouraging you to go after the one, to rise up just for the one. Mr. Schindler, he arose in a battle that seemed bleak and hopeless. He fought for hope. He arose just like Deborah and just as God has called each of us. So each of us, we have the opportunity to sit back and hope things work out for this generation. We can sit back and hope things work out for our communities. We can sit back and hope things work out for our place of work or our country, or we can arise. Because until you arise, we can't expect our world to change. Until Deborah arose, we couldn't expect Israel to change. And until you arise, We can't expect this world to change. I see throughout history, women who rose up people of God who rose up in times where there was darkness and an all-time spiritual low. Mother Teresa, in a, in a Middle Eastern country that was dark in India and throughout the Eastern region, she rose up. And not only did she bring humanitarian care of food and water, but she also brought to the, the gospel to places that did not have it. Amy Simple McPherson, during a time when women weren't even allowed to vote, she started a mass movement of churches that seriously, if she did not rise up, I'm not sure this church or my church would be here today because she was a woman of the Spirit, and she began a movement that invested in pastors who started our churches. Rosa Parks, in a time where women and people of color weren't respected or cared for, she rose up and spoke the truth and reminded people of their worth and their identity and God, and she made a difference Evangeline Corey Booth during a time where there was desolation in this country, where there was a great depression. She was the founder of Salvation Army. She rose up. Cory Ten Boom during the same time of Mr. Schindler when there was darkness covering the land, she began to rise up and save Jews. She would hide them in her home because she knew that the enemy had nothing on her or her God. And you Until you arise, what's waiting on the other side? Until you arise, what's waiting on the other side? What will your story be as a result of you rising up? What will the result be when you point people to Jesus to speak truth and love and to help set the captive free? Worship team, you can come up. Friends, women in the house, may we resolve deep within our hearts to follow the example of Deborah to rise up in a culture that seems like there is no hope, in a culture where there is brokenness, in a culture where there just seems to be mass chaos and just so much overwhelming darkness. May we rise up and speak truth. May we rise up and be people of love. May we rise up and show people the way of life. And may we rise up and not be afraid of the darkness. May we rise up and not be afraid of, going into the places where hard, but may we know that God goes before us. And may we also remind people who are experiencing hurt, who are experiencing darkness, who are experiencing broken, brokenness, that God also goes before them. If you wouldn't mind standing with me, thankful to spend today with this super super awesome body of Christ can tell that there is a authentic love for Christ there's this belief that God wants to do something great in your life and through your life and just like pastor uh, Bruce said earlier I pray that this message isn't something that sits here on Sunday, but it follows us Monday through Saturday, day, that when you go to school, when you go to work, that you would rise up and that you would bring hope in life, that you would be fearless, that even though it may seem like the enemy and the darkness is greater, that you would rise up and bring hope in life. So as you close your eyes, I want you to ask God, God, where are places in my life where you want to want me to rise up? Where are places in my life, what are relationships or friendships, God, that you want me to rise up? What are needs in my community that you want me to meet and rise up in? God, show me. Show me. Show me, God. Show me. Help me not to sit the sideline, but help me to get involved in the game. I want to be a part of your victory, God. I want to be a part of bringing hope. God, it may seem like the moral and spiritual health of our communities and our country is at an all-time low. God, but we know it's a ripe opportunity to arise. God, give us your strength. Give us your, your motivation, your inspiration, Lord Jesus, to rise up to not be afraid, but to be of courage. I pray, God, that you would move in our situations. God, where we may feel like there is no hope, that it is an impossible situation to overcome, help us to rise and help us to trust that you go before us. God, that the battles, Lord God, the hardships, Lord, the victory in all of it belongs to you. I pray, Jesus, that you would just begin to minister to us. Reveal to us areas where we need to rise up. Reveal to us areas where you've called us to be mighty women of God, mighty men of God. Jesus, we thank you for the example of Deborah. We thank you for the example that she is to all of us. Lord God, a wonderful mother, a wife, Lord, a spiritual and political leader. God, thank you for her. As we move into this next worship song, I just want you to begin to declare, as it, especially we're in the early verses where it says, show me who you are and fill me so that I can show your love to those around me. May you experience the love of God today in a fresh way so that you may go into the world and show the love of God, so that you may rise up in a greater and more
2: You know the great thing about God's call on our lives is that he doesn't leave us out high and dry he's there and we can build our lives on him and this morning this message thank you Anna for I mean just inspiring us men and women alike to take that next step. If we've been on the sideline, I, there's no doubt there are people that you know what the next step is. You're saying, man, I just need to do it. This is a call, uh, calling you out, saying this is your time. And the truth is, is God's right there. We build on a firm foundation. There's no fear. We can trust So what is it? What is God calling you to do? I feel like the the part, especially second service here, that I just want to circle back to, you know, Deborah, it says, until she arose. And then when she arose, what happened? There was a a 40-year period of supernatural peace. felt like, especially second service, that there are some here that are living in the chaos. You can't even see, and that as you take a step, that there is peace in your next step for your situation. If you're here and that resonates with you, I just want you to lift your hands. I'm gonna pray for peace. Yeah, all Father, we need your supernatural peace. Lord, breathe your peace into our lives. Lord, this is a word for me. I pray, God, that that as I walk, as I take steps of faith, that you will be there. I trust you life with my family, with my future with my next decisions. Oh God thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. In some ways you hear a list like Corey Tenboon and Mother Teresa and uh, Corey Booth and Rosa Parks and Amy Simple McPherson and some of those you may or may not know, that is a list of just superstar women. You add to that list an uncommon name, uh, Oscar Schindler. These were people that stepped out. And it's kind of almost like, well, that's good for them. And you look at your situation, you wonder, well, what could I do? Listen, each of us have a responsibility carry to reach one more, to carry the truth, to do what God calls us to do. One last thing before we close. If you found yourself here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, we want to offer you the free gift of salvation. I'm going to lead out in a prayer. and If you are, pray along with me and this is your prayer, you're saying, man, I, I need Jesus to be my Savior. Maybe you're away from the Lord. the cross and that you rose from the grave. I put my trust in you, my faith in you. I'm calling out on your name, Jesus. And I'm trusting what the word of God says, that for those who call on the name of Jesus, they will be saved. Lord, save me. week in and week out. There are people, when we pray a prayer like that, that you can resonate. That was your prayer. You agreed with me. And we'd like to just meet you here, uh, right up here on the front, our left here. Pastor Bobby is gonna just linger right here and he wants to meet you. We have uh, just a couple next steps. Something's very simple, something this week that you can do cultivate your relationship with the Lord. When everyone else dismisses here in just a second, and for those of you that are new, you'll make it to the Connection Center. We know that. For your free gift, we want you to do that. But but for if you just go against the grain, just wait for a second. Pastor Bobby will meet right here. We want to pray with you and give you a next step. In fact, who here prayed that prayer, saying, man, I needed that this morning, this afternoon? Father, I pray that you would go before us, behind us, and all around us now. And Lord, help us not only to honor our mothers, but Lord, to continue to honor you with everything we say, everything we do. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen and amen. God bless you. Go in the grace of God.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's message from The Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at
2: thegatewaygh.com.